Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. I was rummaging around my bookshelves the other day looking for an elusive lost book when I made a providential or serendipitous find. I came across a copy of a book that actually made me pause, sit down, open it, and start reading it all over again. It's one of the best written small books that I've ever read on a subject that is largely forgotten. The book is called The Strategy of Satan by Warren Wiersbe. I recommend it to anyone and everyone and have quite literally given away dozens of copies of the book through the years. The book reminded me yet again We have an enemy. We don't talk about him a lot, and that's probably good because our focus should be more on God than the enemy of our souls. Yet who is our enemy? He's called by many names in Scripture, the devil, the accuser of the brethren, Belial, Beelzebub, Apollyon, and so forth. In our text that we look at today, he's called Satan. Let's look at the definitions of each of these proper names to start getting a fix on the description of our enemy. He's the devil, the false accuser. He's called that in Ephesians 4. Maybe that's why the Lord is so concerned with our speech. Paul told the saints in Ephesus, neither give place to the devil. Don't let him in your speech. Belial means the wicked one, lawless, corrupt perverted, rebellious. Samuel spoke of the sons of Eli. He said they were the sons of Belial because they knew not the Lord. They imitated their father, the devil, in their licentious lifestyle. Then there's Apollyon, the destroyer. That's found in Revelation 9. Jesus said, the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Satan is a destroyer. Then there's the proper name Satan, which would be adversary, Luke 22. That Satan is our active opponent. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. So we know we have an enemy. He has four ways, four faces. He presents himself to us. Each has a purpose. Each has a strategy. The strategy of Satan. Hello, my name is Ken Gurley. And here on Daily Devotion this week, we're talking about the theme of endurance, of crafting an endurance that will see us through, a perseverance, the grit and the grace to make it through life. Let's go to the word of the Lord and look at this, the four faces of Satan. Satan's first face, he appeared to Eve as the deceiver in Genesis 3. In the garden, Satan came to Eve in the form of a serpent. Here's how Paul said it in 2 Corinthians 11. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. As the deceiver, Satan attacked Eve's mind, her thinking. He challenged it, asking, yea, hath God said. Satan attacks our minds so he can get us to believe a lie. What we believe is what we act upon. We are what we think. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So subtle is this deceiver that he said in Revelation 12 to deceive the whole world. 
Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies. There is no truth in him, John 8. Notice that Satan didn't approach even his true nature. He masqueraded as the subtlest beast of the field. The devil loves to masquerade. He loves to hide his true nature, to wear masks. It's through deception that he does a powerful, deadly work. Satan is a counterfeiter. He has counterfeit Christians, 2 Corinthians 11. Paul calls them false brethren. Jesus called them the tares sown amidst the wheat. Satan also has a counterfeit gospel. He has counterfeit ministers of the gospel. Is a counterfeit righteousness in Romans 10. Counterfeit church of Satan, Revelation 2.9. His counterfeit doctrines, 1 Timothy 4. And someday he will have a counterfeit Christ, Revelation 13, the Antichrist. How do we relate to the deceiver? We unmask the deceiver through knowing and using the word of God. Jesus defeated the deceiver on the Mount of Temptation. Three times he cried, it is written. We should know the word of God. We should memorize it, meditate upon it. What happened when Jesus used God's word? When the living word used the written word, well, the devil fled. The deceiver runs when he discovers that you can wield the sword of the spirit effectively. That's Satan's first face, deceiver. His second face, he appeared to Job as the destroyer. As the deceiver, Satan attacks our minds. As the destroyer, Satan attacks our bodies. What happened to Job? Satan asked for permission to attack Job's body. Jesus told Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you as wheat. Oh, yes. Satan approaches God's throne and asks for permission to attack us. He did Job. He took his wealth. He took his family. You ever notice that the messenger of the bad news in the story survived? Yes, they always survived. Satan always allows the one who has bad news to spread to survive. Jesus has the gospel, the good news. Satan has his own counterfeit gospel, the bad news. Which one are we spreading? Why would God do this? Only he knows. But I can say that anytime God allows satanic destruction, he raises something from the ruins that is glorious. Job cried, you know the way that I take. Job took comfort in knowing that God knew what was happening. That's our refuge, that God is working his plan, that God sees something good in allowing you and I to go through what we go through and the adversary that we face. There's something happening there for good. It's what Job learned. It's what Simon Peter learned. Listen to 1 Peter 5.10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, he'll make you perfect, He'll establish you, strengthen you, and settle you. The apostle Paul had a thorn in his flesh, a messenger of Satan. What did Paul learn? That God's grace is greater than anything he faced. John said it for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Don't ever forget, God is the destroyer of the destroyer. So we have two faces thus far, the deceiver, the destroyer, But then comes Satan's third face. He appeared to David as the ruler. Sin wreaks havoc in a person's life. 
Listen to the quote by Thomas Brooks. Satan promises the best, but pays with the worst. He promises honor, pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. He promises life, but he pays with death. King David found that out. Satan didn't appear to David as the destroyer or the deceiver. He appeared in all of his regal robes. He appeared as the heady, high-minded ruler that he is. And it impacted David each time. Twice in his rule as king does it say that at the time of the year when the kings go out to battle, that David tarried still in Jerusalem. The first time we know about it's when David committed his sin with Bathsheba. But the second time is in 1 Chronicles 20. The next chapter opens, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. David said to Joab and to the rulers of the people, go number Israel from Beersheba even to Dan and bring the number to me that I may know it. David, you won some victories, but your feelings of self-importance caused you to lose the war. Your ego was inflated. You were enticed to sin against God. Moses numbered Israel out of necessity, but you're doing it out of pride that you may know the number. There are two types of sins, sins of the flesh and sins of the spirit. David's adultery with Bathsheba was the former. It cost four people their lives, Uriah, Bathsheba's child, Ammon, Absalom. David's numbering of Israel was a sin of the spirit, and it ended up costing 70,000 people their lives. We tend to judge sins of the flesh more severely than sins of the spirit. God may do the exact opposite, or at least this case suggests that. We see it in the life of Jesus where Satan tempted him with the kingdoms of this world and all of their glory. You go back to the garden, you find the same thing. The ruler, Satan, promised Eve, you shall be as gods. Go even farther back to Lucifer's fall from heaven. He was exalted within himself. One of the greatest dangers of success, even marginal success, is pride. Successful people fight with pride, and pride glorifies a person, and it robs God of the glory that only he deserves. Pride is a weapon in Satan's hands that he uses so well. There's only one answer for pride, 1 Peter 5, 5. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. God fights against the proud. It's one thing to have Satan as your enemy, but it's quite another to have God resisting you. God opposes the proud. Satan's fourth face, he appeared to Joshua as the accuser in Zechariah 3. Satan deceived Eve. Satan tried to destroy Job. Satan tried to rule David. All three of these took place on planet Earth. But there's another work of Satan that took place in the throne room of heaven. And this is where the fourth face of Satan is revealed. He's the accuser of the brethren. It's in the third chapter of Zechariah. We find ourselves in the throne room. God is the judge, Satan the prosecutor, and the guilty defendant is Joshua, a high priest of the day. Joshua stands in filthy garments, and it seems that Satan was making some progress. He had Joshua guilty, threw mud at him. Some of it stuck. He's the accuser of the brethren day and night, accusing you and me before the throne of grace. 
There's a difference between the two words, condemnation and conviction. When God points out our faults, it's conviction. It's to bring us to repentance. When Satan points out our faults, it's condemnation, and it's designed to cause us to give up. Satan wants you to feel guilty and not to change, not to repent, not to use that battle to draw closer to God. And this is where I want to give you a verse of Scripture. Paul urges the Corinthians to forgive one of their own, lest that person through overmuch sorrow give up. Then Paul said this, for we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. No, it's the accusations of Satan that keep us from becoming all that we can be. Those little pinpricks of conscience that nag us, the shame and the guilt and the regret. John said it, my little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's the propitiation. He's the mercy seat for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. The Lord shouts to the accuser as he accused Joshua, the high priest. Is this not a brand I plucked from the fire? He's one of mine. Satan presents four faces, deceiver, destroyer, ruler, and accuser. But you and I look to the one face of our Lord Jesus Christ. We run to his throne of grace. That's the face we fell in love with when we turned our eyes on him. He's the sunrise for our sorrow. He's a daybreak for our pain. You can find the endurance you need in God by turning away from the four faces of Satan and turn to the face of the one who said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. God is going to do something through you. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.